0: So, I'm going to tell you a story today. This is a story that was written down by a man named Yochanan. In English we call him John. And he was one of the 12 guys that was closest to Yeshua of Nazareth, Jesus of Nazareth. And uh, he wrote this down in his his memoirs, people call it the Gospel, right? The Gospel of John, chapter 5, starting in verse 1. So I'm going to tell you this story. So a long time ago, in a land far away, in fact, it was almost 2,000 years ago. And it was across the ocean. If you got on an airplane in Saskatoon, you'd fly to Toronto, or maybe to Minneapolis, or New York, and then you'd fly all the way across the ocean to the Middle East, to Israel, to the city of Jerusalem. And that's where this story happened. And in the city of Jerusalem, it was a big city. It was the capital of Israel. And there was a humongous temple there. A really gorgeous temple where people would go to pray to God. And just north outside the city, there was a certain city gate called the Sheep Gate. Everybody say, the Sheep Gate. Mm-hmm. And if you go for a walk, and you go out, if you go outside the city walls through the Sheep Gate, you get to this big pool of water. And it was, the, it was one of the pools that kind of fed, that fed into the city that people got their drinking water from. And there, was, there were two of them. There was one that was a little higher and one a little lower. And uh, in Hebrew, they were called Beit Eshdatayin. That's a big word, hey? And in English, they say Bethesda. Right? So there was this pool called Bethesda. Now, here's, here's, the, here's the interesting thing. There were like these five, um, these five little areas around the pool that we would call porticos. Do you guys know what a portico is? It's kind of like if you have an open area, and it's like open to the weather and stuff, but you have a roof over top. That's a portico. So anyway, there were these five areas that were kind of sheltered, but they're kind of open, and they were around this, uh, this pool. And here's the interesting thing. Every now and then, the waters of the pool would begin to roil and boil, and they'd begin to stir and move around. And the reason that happened, John tells us, is because a messenger from the Almighty would come down and he would stir up the water. And whoever, whoever jumped in the water first would all of a sudden be healed. So if they had some kind of sickness or some kind of ailment, or even if they were crippled up, if they were the first to jump in the water after the water started to boil like that, they'd get better. And so everybody in Jerusalem knew about this, and so everybody who is sick with any kind of disease, you know, whether maybe it it was a little cold, or maybe it was like someone with cancer, or some kind of chronic ailment, um, would would be sitting in these five porticos around the pool. There were also people there with crutches that couldn't walk, uh, people that would have to use things like wheelchairs because they were crippled up or disabled. They would be sitting there. Uh, People who were paralyzed were were there. And um, all of these people, they, would just, they just camped out around the pool and they were watching and waiting for when the water began to move and then there would be a stampede and they would all run towards the pool and they'd all start throwing themselves in the pool because everybody wanted to be the first one in the pool so get, they could get better. And so that's what was happening in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago. There was one specific man there and you know, the, the, the author of this story doesn't even tell us his name. He's just some, some anonymous guy. And he had been sick for 38 years. And he was, he he couldn't, it doesn't say exactly what his problem was. It sounds like he was kind of paralyzed, like he couldn't really move very well. He couldn't really walk. And so basically somebody would bring him to the pool every morning with his little mattress and he would just lie there or sit there on his mattress all day long and watch the people come and go and just wait, just wait for the water to move. And then he would hopefully be the first one in so that he could get better. But here was the problem. If he was paralyzed and he couldn't really move very good, it would be kind of hard to drag yourself to the pool and be, be the first one in. He just couldn't win the race. And so he was there for 38 years. That would be like, okay, what year is it right now? 2012. That would be like if he, if he got sick or paralyzed or whatever and he started hanging out at the pool, hoping to get better, he'd be there all the way from this year, 2012, until when? 2050. Okay, so he got sick this year, they started taking him to the pool every day, 38 years later, in 2050, this is what happens. He's just sitting there one day, and all of a sudden he hears a voice. Someone has walked up to him. It's a, it's a relatively young man. He looks to be a little over 30. He's definitely in his early 30s. Um, he's, a, he's a typical Jewish guy. He looks like he's probably, he's probably pretty devout. He has a beard and he has kind eyes. And he looks up and this man with the kind eyes is asking him a really strange question. He says, Do you want to get better? And the man stares at him for a second and thinks, I'm sitting here at the pool with all these other people who want to get better and it's obvious that I'm crippled up. Why is he asking me if I want to get better? But he answers and he says, Sir, I want to get better, but I don't have anyone to help me get in the pool when the water is stirred. Now, that's from that man's perspective. Yeshua's close friend, Yochanan, tells us the story. It was Yeshua of Nazareth who was asking this question. And he had made the hike from the Galilee in northern Israel all the way up to Jerusalem. It's a couple days' hike. It was for one of the festivals. So it could have been, maybe it was Passover, maybe it was the festival of weeks, or maybe it was the festival of booths. We don't know. But it was one of those, and Yeshua was there with his disciples, and he was walking around this pool. Who knows what he was doing? Maybe he was watching for this guy. Anyway, Yochanan tells us, Yeshua, when he saw this guy, even though they'd never met before, from what we can tell, because this guy didn't recognize Yeshua, Yeshua knew that he had been sick for, sick for 38 years. And so we asked this guy the question, do you want to get better? And the guy says, what did he say? Yes. He said, how can I? There's no one to help me get in the pool. And you know what Yeshua said to the guy? He said, get up. Pick up your mattress and go home. And do you know what happened? All of a sudden, power from Elohim, from God, came rushing into the man, and it made him better just like that. He felt it. And he all of a sudden just stood up, and he could, he could stand up. He could move around. He had full mobility of his limbs. And he could walk. And so guess what he did? He did just what Yeshua said. He picked up his mattress he probably had one just like this see here's a little bed roll you can roll it. he was probably lying on something like this hopefully it was a little thicker and comfier but anyway he picked it up and he went home now here's the catch you know how there are seven days in the week do you know why we have seven days in the week and do you know why we have the weekend It happened a really long time ago when Yahweh was creating the world he took six days and he just really went at it and he created the whole universe everything and then on the seventh day he just took a break he stepped back and he just looked at his creation and enjoyed it and the reason he did that he took that break is to teach us to stop on the seventh day of the week and make it a day of rest make it special right and so anyway that's called the sabbath every guy say sh- sabbath and hebrew it's called shabbat right so that starts on friday night when the sun goes down <gasps> remember last night how we all had, we had people over to our house and we had that cup of wine or grape juice and we had that special bread and we basically said thank you god for shabbat right so anyway that's that's where we are right now it's saturday so it's the sabbath so anyway a couple thousand years ago that was the day that yeshua healed this guy now here's the problem god said okay you know saturday is my shabbat so i want you to take the day off work make it a holiday rest get some RR in uh, spend some time with your family get together as a community and uh, spend some time with me those are the kinds of the things he said right another one of the things he said is i don't want you to work and also i don't want you to carry really big loads so, like, if you have to carry your really heavy backpack full of bricks or whatever, don't do it on my holy day. Do it another day. I want you to w- don't want you to work too hard, right? Now, the religious leaders a couple of thousand years ago, they kind of took that to an extreme. So they basically said, you are not allowed to carry anything. Now, this is really important here, guys. God said, don't carry heavy stuff lunch a You don't pack your, back your loads and stuff, right? And that was good. That was something that God said. And it was good. And it's still good today. But these guys had taken it, and they had had taken it to an extreme, where basically, you weren't allowed to carry anything. And so, this guy's healed. He picks up his mattress. It's probably probably one of the only things he owns in the whole world. And he goes home. And while he's walking down the street, with his mattress on his shoulder. Here, throw me the mattress. Thanks. So look at this. He's walking down the street with his mattress on his shoulder. And guess what? Everyone's like, oh, what's that guy doing? He's breaking, you're not supposed to do that on Shabbat. He's breaking the rules. And so everybody, people started shouting at him and said, don't you know you're not allowed to do that? It's, it's Shabbat, what are you doing? Don't you know you're not allowed to do that? What are you doing carrying that mattress? And he answered and said, the guy who healed me told me to pick up my mattress and take it home. And they said, who, who's the guy who healed you? And he said, I don't know. <laughs> he healed me and told me to pick up my mattress and go home, and then he took off. He disappeared into the crowd before I could even get his name. So, anyway, the guy went home, he left his mattress there, and then guess what he did? He went to the temple. He went to the temple. And why did he go to the temple? Because it was a Shabbat. Well, yeah, because it was a Shabbat. And also to say... Thank you! He was probably there to say a big thank you to God for healing him through that, through that guy. He didn't even know the guy's name, that anonymous stranger. Well, guess what? While he's at the temple, while he's busy praying and saying thank you, suddenly he uh, feels a hand on his shoulder. And he looks over, and guess who it is? It's that, that bearded guy in his early 30s with the kind eyes. And the guy says... Look, you're better. Don't sin so that nothing worse will happen to you. Isn't that an interesting thing for him to say? And then, anyway, um, we, we, the guy figures out who it is. The guy figures out, it's Yeshua of Nazareth. I've heard about this guy. He's the guy who healed me. And so guess what he does? He makes a beeline back to uh, the religious leaders, and he says, I figured out who it was that healed me. It was Yeshua of Nazareth. And the religious leaders were very upset with Yeshua. Because he was breaking their rules. So they went to Yeshua and they confronted him on it. And guess what his response was? He said, My father's working today, and so am I. Who was his father when he was talking about his father? He was talking about God, Elohim. So what he was saying is, You know, God wanted to heal this guy today. God wanted to do this work of healing, and so I did it with him. If God's going to do it, so can I, because I'm his son. And then, to finish the story, guess what happened? It says the Jewish religious leaders were upset with him. And they, after that, they started persecuting him. Like, they were going to try and cut him down and even get him killed. Why? Because not only was he breaking their rules about Shabbat, he was also claiming that God was his father which would make him, like, on the level with God, make him equal with God. So that's the story. Now, I'm going to ask you some questions about this story, and we can kind of talk about it a little bit. How does that sound? Okay. So, what is it about this story that you like? Like, is, it is there something about this story we you just go, yeah, that's cool, I like that. Or maybe there's some things in the story that kind of bug you. Maybe they kind of bother you inside. Something about it is like, oh, I don't like that. For some people, they would just say, that story is not true. That's impossible. Firstly, how could, how could an angel come down and stir up the water and then heal somebody? That's crazy. Or uh, how could you stir and make somebody better? Well, maybe people who don't believe in a creator might say things like that. Maybe people who only believe in the four dimensions of space and time would say that. But I really believe in the paranormal. I do believe that there is a world outside the, the three dimensions of space and time. I would call it the fifth dimension. And I believe there's a creator. And I believe stuff like that is possible. It, there's so many instances of it throughout history, right? So maybe that would bug some people, but I would say, you know what? Give this story a chance. Especially when you read some of the other stories about Yeshua of Nazareth. That guy had supernatural stuff happening through him. It's like he lived in the paranormal dimension. Anyway. Maybe you like the fact that Yeshua asked the to no-brainer question. I mean it's really funny, right? This guy's been sick for 38 years. Yeshua knows that he's been crippled up for that long. And the guy's sitting there like wanting to get better. And Yeshua walks up and says, Do you want to get better? That would be like going to a hospital and visiting someone who's there for treatments. Maybe someone who's um, going to the hospital for a chemo treatment, and they walk in the door and you meet them and you're like Hey, so you're here for a chemo treatment. Do you want to get better? I mean, of, of course. Or that would be like somebody standing in line at Tim Hortons. And you walking up, walk up to them and being like, Do you want a coffee? It's like, no duh, I'm in the line at Tim Hortons. Of course I want a coffee. So c- you could probably think of lots of examples, right? So maybe you like that, that Yeshua asked that question. Or maybe it bugs you. Maybe, maybe it almost sounds like Yeshua was making fun of the guy. Or kind of messing with him a little bit. I mean, if Yeshua just laughed and skipped off or ran away after that, I guess maybe that would have been that way. But at at first glance, it's like, what's he getting out there? Uh, Maybe you like it that this guy who was there for 38 years, who was just the underdog, who just could never win the race to the pool, was the guy who got healed. Or maybe it bugs you that he was the only person there who got healed. Out of all those people that were waiting there and wanting to win the race to jump in the pool first, none of them got healed. Maybe, maybe that bothers you. Why did Yeshua only pick that guy? What was going on there? That, that doesn't seem fair. Um, maybe you like it that Yeshua didn't back, back, back down from the prospect of a fight with the religious leaders. He told that guy, pick up your mat and go home. Knowing full well that they would be really upset with him for healing on Shabbat and knowing full well that that would probably get that guy in hot water for carrying that thing on Shabbat. Or maybe you you like that or maybe that bothers you. Maybe it bothers you that Yeshua wasn't showing respect to tradition. Maybe it bothers you that he didn't back down from a fight. He doesn't sound in that instance like he was being all too pacifistic. Maybe, maybe another thing you like about this story is how Yeshua didn't stand there and be like, Ta-da! Look at this! He's sick for 38 years, and now he's better! Ta-da! I'm here, the Son of God! I mean, I don't know, maybe, uh, maybe you like it that instead of Yeshua doing that, which is what a lot of people would have done, he just slipped off into the crowd. Like he didn't even stick around to meet the guy or to ask the guy's name and to kind of do some chit-chat or be personal. He just disappeared. I don't know, maybe you like that. Or maybe that bugs you. Maybe it bugs you that Yeshua was so impersonal that he just hid, that he just slipped off into the crowd. It almost sounds, seems like some kind of timid guy or something. I don't know. So I don't know. Maybe, the, maybe, maybe those threads from this story are, are things that you like or that uh, bother you. Um, maybe it, Maybe it bugged you how grumpy those religious leaders were. I mean, really, this guy was sick for 38 years and he was better. That's a beautiful thing. Maybe it kind of bugged you with how grumpy they were, that they weren't even like, hey, right on. That's, that's awesome, I'm happy for you. They're just like... Bah, 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 bah. You know, I mean, really. Or maybe it bugs you what Yeshua said to the guy when he found him in the temple. Remember what he said? Maybe that, maybe that offends you. Yeshua said, look, you're better. Don't sin anymore, or something worse is going to happen to you. He was really getting in that guy's face. Yeah. So, um, I'm going to ask you another question. Is there somebody in this story that you can really relate to? Is there somebody in this story where you can be like, I felt like that before. Yeah, I had this time in my life, and I was totally that guy. Or I was totally that guy. Let's see, who, who is it in this story? Um, there's Yeshua. There's his, his disciple, Yohanan, John, because obviously he was there because he wrote it down later. He told the story. So he was probably there tagging along with Yeshua the Master. Um, who else was there? There was, there was the crippled guy who was helpless. And uh, there was the crowd of other people who were there wanting to get healed. And then there were the religious leaders that were not happy about their rules getting broken. Those are the people that I can think of. So let me ask you, can, can you relate to any of those people? Can you relate to the helpless guy who, he like, he, he, he needed to be healed. There was something in him that was causing pain that kept him from being who he, he could be. Um, he, he wanted change in his life, but it just wasn't happening. And he was trying, he was really trying for years and years and years. And it just wasn't happening. I mean, can you imagine how frustrated he must have been? How heartbroken he must have been at times. He pro- I wonder if he ever got angry at God. I wonder if he was ever frustrated by all the mean people that, that pushed him down and that shoved him out of the way because they wanted to be the first ones to the pool. You know, he was, maybe, maybe he was really hurt by how cruel people could be. I don't know. Have, have, have you ever maybe had that experience? Have you ever felt like that? Uh, what, about, what about the crowd of other people? that had to be first, that had to get that healing, that uh, they were so consumed with what they needed that maybe they weren't really reaching out and helping people. Have you you ever been that person, one of that crowd of that crowd of sick people? How about um, Yeshua? Can you relate to Yeshua in this story? Somebody who asks questions that can be misunderstood. Somebody who asks questions that might even bug some people. Somebody who breaks religious rules that religious people have made up. Have you ever done that? Have you ever related to doing that and then having people come down hard on you? Or, uh, or maybe take sides against you because you're just not playing by their rules. Or, or maybe you can relate to Yeshua and not really wanting to make a big show. Not really wanting to be in the public eye. Wanting to help people but not really wanting to get any credit. You'd rather just kind of slip away. and. Just kind of hang out in the background, you know? Maybe you can relate to Yeshua in that regard. Or what about the religious leaders? Have you ever been able to relate to them? Have you ever made stuff up and then pretended that it was from God? Have you ever made your little set of rules and then just got really mad when people broke them and maybe turned into those people's enemies because they weren't playing by your rules? Maybe you can relate to that. Maybe uh, you've even had times where You've made up your little system of rules or your little way that things are going to go and you're playing your little game and then God comes into the picture and he does something that doesn't fit your paradigm. Maybe you've had times when your rules have blinded you to him when he was right in your face. Who knows? Maybe you can relate to that. I know I, I can think of times in my life where my, where my little rules and the stuff that I made up, it's actually blinded me. And it's caused me to treat people unkindly. I, I, I've been there. I've been, those, I've been those meanies. Yeah. So here, here are a couple more questions. Um, what does this story tell us about people? Or, I don't know. I, I'm, a, I'm a people. Are, are you a people? You're a people? Are you a, pe- are you a people? Okay, yeah, we're all people. So here's the thing. All those people in that story were people. And we're people. So this story actually is going to tell us something about us. What is it going to tell us? Let's think about this. I think one thing, th- and you know what, this isn't just tell us something about us. This tells us something about our neighbours at Village Green. It tells us something about the people who walk through this park. It tells us something about the people at Walmart that Morgan works with. <laughs> so what is, what, is this, um, what does this story tell us about people? One thing it tells us is that Most people need help and they know that they need help. Most people want change in their lives and they know it and they're waiting for it. But they don't know when it's going to come and they don't know how it's going to come. That's true. Most people that you know, they want change in their lives, but they don't know how it's going to happen and they don't know when it's going to happen. They don't know how to get from point A to point B. You could say... A lot of people, most of us, I think, we feel crippled up inside. We're hurting inside. We, we wig out and we hurt other people. We say mean things or we hit them or whatever. We do those kinds of things, either physically or with their words. And then we, and then we feel bad and we say, why did I do that? I, I, love, my, I love my family member. I love my, my mom or my dad or my brother or my sister. Why do I do those things? And we think we know deep down inside, I'm hurting. There's something in me that's messed up. And I need to change, but I don't know how to change. And most people, something, somewhere deep down inside of them, they want that, they're waiting for it, but they don't know how it's going to happen. And this is what happens. All of a sudden, a guy just steps into your life, and he asks you a question. And that guy is Yeshua. And if you answer him, and if you kind of go there with him, good stuff's going to happen. You're going to see that change in your life. You're going to see that healing come to your heart. That's what Yeshua does. So watch for that. Watch for the bearded man in his early 30s with the kind eyes, asking you questions. Go there with him. Because he loves you and he's a healer. And he can bring the change that nobody else can bring. That's what he's all about. Something else that this story tells us is that it is possible for us people, to get so caught up in our expectations of what God's going to do that we miss what He's doing when it's right in our faces. So we're like, okay, so I prayed this prayer and so God's going to do it this way. Or, you know, I want this to happen and so God has to do it my way, right? And then we have this, we have this stuff in our minds and then all of a sudden there's something happening. He's doing stuff right in our faces and it goes over our heads. We miss it because it's not what we expected. So, you know, as people, we can just kind of drop the expectations and just wait for him to step into our lives and ask the big question. And when he pops the big question, stuff's going to start happening. Another thing that that people do, we, we learn from the story, is we like to make up rules. We like to make up lots of rules and tell other people what to do. And guess what we like to do? Just to make it even better, we like to pretend that God made them up. So we'll make up our rules and then we'll pretend that God made them up and then we'll be like, you have to keep my rules because God made them up. They're not my rules, right? That's something that we as people do. We like to make stuff up and it blinds us to the truth. It can make us pretty mean too sometimes. It can make us treat people unkindly. It can make us one of those people that kind of keep people out of our lives or form our little cliques or clubs and don't let other people in because they don't play by our rules. Something that this story tells us. Another thing this story tells us is that sometimes we would rather be grumpy than happy. Sometimes we would be rather be those grumpy face guys. Something wonderful happened to someone, or they're really happy and they're celebrating, and like we could totally be like, high five. High-five! That's awesome! Yes! Woo! Way to be! Good job! And we can be really happy, right? Yeah. But you know what we do instead? We find something to snarf about. <laughs> and we just kind of just sit in the dark on the sidelines and grump, right? That's something that we as people do. Here's something really scary that this story teaches us. Remember in like, the, 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 you could say scene three when the guy's in the temple and Yeshua walks up to him and taps him on the shoulder and says, don't sin anymore, so that nothing worse will happen to you. That's pretty scary. You guys know what sin is? Sin is like when you do its wrong. So if God says something in his word, and he says, don't do this, and we're like, eh, and we go ahead and do it, that's called sin, right? Or if God says something in his word, where he's like, I want you to do this. Here's some instructions, right? And we're like, yeah, God, I don't really feel like doing that. I don't see the point. Ah, no. That's called sin too, right? So that's kind of the idea of sin. And what Yeshua said is, when we do that, when we sin, by doing stuff that God said not to do, or not doing stuff that God said to do, it can actually make us sick. Like, it can make your heart sick, where emotionally you just get out of kilter and messed up. It can make you mentally sick, where you can literally lose your marbles and just go nutsoid. It can also make you physically sick. Like, when, we, when, we're, when we're not doing what our Creator said, and we're not following His instructions, it can actually make you physically sick. You can come down with a cold sometimes, maybe because you're not living a healthy life or whatever, or um, you can even, it's like this, like God, is, He's all light, right? So when we stay close to Him, it's like we're, st- we're in the light, and like, dark stuff can't touch us, right? But if we say, yeah, God, I'm just going to go do my own thing, I'll, I'll catch you later, maybe." right? And we go over here, we walk away from the light, and we end up in the dark. And here's the scary thing. There's like all kinds of evil things in the dark. They're like, they're evil spirits. Like, you know, maybe maybe they'd be pictured by like goblins and and and, and ghosts and, uh, uh, and, and assassins and all kinds of evil people that want to hurt you or kill you, right? And so when you walk away into the dark, all those guys can jump you, spiritually speaking. And um, here's something interesting. There was a guy named Luke that that told lots of stories about Yeshua. They were true stories. And then after Yeshua went into heaven and said, I'll be back, um, Yeshua's, H- Yeshua's guys, like his disciples, they went out, they started traveling all over the world and telling everybody about Yeshua. And one of the things they said, this is in the book of the Acts of the Apostles, they said, yeah, you know, when Yeshua was around, he, he, uh, he went around healing the people that were oppressed by the devil. Do you know who the devil is? The devil is like all the evil angels out there, all the bad spirits and stuff, right? That's the devil. And that's really interesting. So what we learned from that is Yeshua healed people who were oppressed by the devil. So there's sometimes when people will be sick and it'll just be because, I I don't know, maybe they got food poisoning because they ate like four day old pizza or something, right? Or um, there are other times when people are sick because it's like an evil spirit. It's like a devil and it's like, it's, it's oppressing them. It's, and, 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 and um, Yeshua came to deal with that stuff, right? So anyway, something really scary that this story teaches us is that sometimes when we sin, it can make us sick. Here's another really interesting thing. Isn't it interesting that Yeshua healed this guy? But he didn't even know that it was Yeshua. So I wonder, does that happen sometimes today? When uh, somebody's sick... And they get better they get better really fast and everyone's like that's fantastic you're better and it was actually yeshua that made them better because you know god raised yeshua from the dead and he's still around and he answers prayer and helps people right and so i wonder if sometimes people are sick and they get better and it was actually yeshua that healed them and they just didn't even know that it was him it was like he was like the anonymous invisible guy that helped them or uh, maybe maybe in general if someone's in trouble or they're going to die in some really scary situation or they have a crisis and, and they get out of it. And they're like, yes, I got out. Oh, what a relief. And maybe it was really Yeshua helping them out and they didn't even know that it was him. Because um, there's this place where, uh, where Saul, Paul, he wrote that God is the Savior of everybody, especially of people that believe in him. Isn't that, isn't that interesting? Like, So that means God is, God is saving everybody. He's rescuing everybody. He's getting everybody out of tight spots. He's helping them and healing them. Even people who don't believe in him. But then he does that even more for people who do believe in him. So it's interesting that that's possible. You know, the, the Jewish people historically, they haven't believed, most Jewish people haven't believed in Yeshua for uh, the last 17, 1800 years. But I wonder how many times has a Jewish person been healed and it was Yeshua. And just like that, uh, that the, the helpless underdog crippled guy. He said, I was healed. I, I don't know who it was that healed me. I, don't, I didn't get the guy's name. I wonder how often help has come to the Jewish people. And it was Yeshua and they didn't know it. Or like uh, Cree people on reservations. How many times do does somebody on a reservation like get healed or maybe get helped? And it was Yeshua all along and they didn't even know it. Who knows? So here's another question. What does this story tell us about Yeshua? Because really, he's kind of the hero of this story, right? Um, something the story tells us is, just like Yeshua looked at that guy and he just knew that he had been sick for 38 years, he could see right into his heart, he could see the, the frustration and the pain and the disappointment and maybe the resignation, who knows? But he could just look at that guy and he could just see him inside of... You know, that's, that's true for us. Like, Yeshua knows your situation. He knows my situation. He knows that... Um, he knows what's happening with you, and uh, he, he sees you, and He really cares about you. So maybe, maybe some, of us, some of us have been praying a long time for something, or hoping that something would happen, and maybe, maybe we've just been disappointed, or we've given up, or whatever. You know, Yeshua sees us, and He loves us, and He cares, and He knows how long we've been waiting. Something else I really like about this story that tells us about Yeshua is that uh, He starts conversations with people with questions. Remember that? Like the sick guy was just lying there on his mattress. It was just one more day at the pool, right? And all of a sudden, this kind man just asks him a question. And that's actually really cool because often like today, like we don't talk to people we don't know. We would never walk up to someone and start a conversation. But it's kind of neat that Yeshua would walk up to people and and start conversations. I want to be like that. And it's kind of neat that he started it with a question. Because like a lot of us, if we're going to have a conversation, we'll just like walk up to someone and blah, 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 blah. Just start talking to them, right? Maybe they're like, I'm so not ready for this. Don't talk to me or whatever, right? But Yeshua asked him a question and that was about him. That was about where he was at. That was about what he wanted. So Yeshua was not like me-centered. Yeshua was the other person-centered in conversation. That's something we see about our master in the story. Another thing that we see in this story about Yeshua is that he, he doesn't just know people's situation, he doesn't just care, but he helps the people who are helpless. He helps the underdog. He helps the guy who loses the race every time. He's the guy that he most wants to help. That's pretty cool. This story also tells us that there are times when Yeshua tells people to disobey the rules. Yeshua tells people to break the rules that religious people made up. Now, let me ask you, does Yeshua ever tell people to break God's rules? No. God's rules are forever. God's rules are for everybody. But does Yeshua sometimes tell people to break rules that people made up? Oh yeah. This story also tells us that Yeshua sometimes tells people to do things that confront the status quo. Things that make people freak out. Things that make people be like, what are you doing? That's not done. That's something that this story teaches us. This story also tells us that Yeshua tells people to do things that are controversial, that can start fights, that can get you in a lot of trouble. Yeshua is not afraid of controversy. He will walk right into a fight if it's worth it. He will not back down. And if we follow him as his, his disciples, there will be times when he might say, I want you to do that, and it will get you in trouble. I want you to break that rule that some people made up, and they're not going to be happy about it. That's something that actually happened in the story. At the same time, you know, I, I think in general, Yeshua wants us to be respectful to other people. He wants us to try and not like rock the boat any more than we have to. right? There, there are lots of things in the Word about that also. But this seems to be the side that often gets overlooked. There are times, there is a time to step into a fight, to confront the status quo, to break the rules, and to not back down. Another thing this story tells us about Yeshua is that he doesn't look at Shabbat, he doesn't look at Saturday as a day to just veg out and do nothing. He was out at this pool. He was walking around and talking with people. He was out there on Shabbat helping people, working working with his father, healing people. So, you know, a lot of people, they get a hold of Shabbat and they're like, this is awesome, this is a day for me to just do nothing. This is a day that is all about me and me vegging. Often kind of people get in that mindset, but I think that's wrong. What this story teaches us is Shabbat is a day to work with your father. It's a day to help people. It's a day to be out there with other people, relating to other people, those kinds of things, right? And the last thing that this story tells us about Yeshua is that he knows your history. He knows where you've come from. He knows everything that you have done, both the good things that you've done, where you really should get a pat on the back for that, and the bad things that you've done. Like the stuff that you're embarrassed about, the stuff that you don't want anybody to know about. Maybe maybe you're thinking about something right now where you could say, you know what, I don't want people to know that about me. I will never tell anybody that story about what I did. I still feel, maybe maybe you feel bad about some things. And you know what? Yeshua sees that. And there's forgiveness for those things, right? Where he just says, okay, you're sorry, and you want to change, and I'm letting it go, and I'm going to help you to change. But guess what happens? If there's sin in our lives, if there are things that we're doing wrong and we know it, and our conscience pokes us every time and makes us feel bad, and we know it because while we're doing it, we're justifying ourselves, we're explaining why we're doing it, or we're blaming someone in our mind for why we're doing it, it's probably because what you're doing is wrong. And if if we keep doing that, what the story tells us is Yeshua will find you. Yeshua will come to you, and he'll confront you, and he'll say, don't sin anymore. You're doing that thing that's wrong and you know it? Stop. Stop or you know how God said to do that, and you're just ignoring God, and you're being lazy, or you're making up your reasons for not obeying Him, you need to start doing what God said. Something He said. And uh, you know what? If we like, kind of dig in our heels and we say, I'm just going to do what I want to do, and I don't care what God says, and I don't care what God wants, Yeshua might come up to you and say, I'm giving you a warning. If you don't change the way you're doing life, you will get sick. You could get really sick. You, you could start having emotional problems. You could start having mental issues. You could actually physically come down with something that will cripple you up or incapacitate you or ultimately cause you to, heaven forbid, like have a premature death. Yeshua, what the story tells us is, Yeshua will do that. He will come up to people and he will confront them on their sin. He'll say, stop. And he'll give people warnings. He'll say, you need to start obeying God. You need to like knock it off with the sin stuff. Or you could get really sick. And I love you. I care about you. I want you to live a long life. I want you to be healthy. So please. Right? Those are the kinds of things he says to people. So I, I have three more questions for you. And I don't have answers for them, Sue. So you have to tell me the answers for these. Are you ready for that? Okay. What does this story tell us about what it looks like for us to follow Yeshua? because like we're followers of Yeshua, right? So the stuff that he did, we want to do that stuff. The way he treated people, the way he talked, that's how we want to be. So I don't know, what does this story tell you, tell you about how, what it'll look like for us to follow Yeshua? I'm just gonna come right up to you for, th- for that, so that we can hear it, loud and clear.
1: I said that regarding Shabbat, and we are to be working with the Father and doing what we can to see where Yeshua would have us help others on Shabbat Hmm. instead of just thinking about ourselves. Mm
0: -hmm. That's good. What else does the story tell us about what it might look like for us to follow Him, follow Yeshua?
1: To stop sinning in those areas where He's (laughs) convicting us of sin? Mm -hmm.
0: That's good. Here's another question, and I, I don't know if you'll have an answer for this one, but you know, hearing this story and, and thinking about it with me here, does that does that change how you look at the world around you or how you're gonna how you're gonna think and treat other people and do life and stuff? Does it kinda does this story change
1: anything for you? It makes me think about where there might be rules that I've made up in my own perception of things that either hinders me or hinders other people Mm -hmm. from true life. Mm. And to be able to rejoice with people's good, like that, yeah, when people receive blessings. Mm. And to defend people, too, from people putting rules on them that are not good. Hmm. And to pray for people more with more faith. Like, Yeshua just walked up to the guy and said, do you want to be healed? And I know he was Yeshua, but he's given us that call also to pray for people to be healed.
0: Wow, you're right. He said the things that he did, we, we, as his followers, would do also, and we'd even do greater things than what he did, like bigger stuff.
1: Yeah. So, and also, yeah. to, um... Oh, I forgot. I. Mm-hmm.
0: <coughs> okay. Yeah. Wow. You know, something that changes for me is just, um... Like, expecting that all of a sudden, he might just step into my life and ask me a question. And that question will start an adventure in my life or bring change to my life. Always just being ready to, ready to all of a sudden be like, oh, it's him, he's asking me a question right now. You know? Or like when the guy went later, when the guy was in the temple, when the guy was in the temple, and all of a sudden Yeshua just found him there, and he was like, listen, don't sin anymore, right? It's just always being ready, because at any moment Yeshua might tap me on the shoulder and say something to me or ask me a question. So that's something that this story changes for me. Like just... Just knowing that he's out there, somewhere close by, and maybe he's watching me right now, and maybe he's going to talk to me in the next minute or ask me a question, and I can have those, con- those those conversations with him. That's I think that's that's something that this story really changes for me. I think I'm going to feel I think I'm going to be m- more alert after this. It's kind of like kind of expectant, yeah. I'll I'll come over to hear
1: that. I'm thinking about how you mentioned if we have a request that we've made of the Father that we don't just pull on to our expectations, but I don't know. I mean, I don't know exactly what that looks like to be open to how He would respond, but Mm -hmm. try and not have those expectations Mm -hmm. in the way that I want it to happen, Mm -hmm. but to be open to His will or what? Yeah, what His will would look like.
0: I think we all have expectations and we all have rules that we've made up and maybe it's one of those things where like when we when they come to our consciousness or we realize that we have them being willing to let them go or drop them hey Yeah. 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 well I have uh, I have one more question for you with this story okay so we we heard this story about this guy who was a crippled up for 38 years he just kept losing the race he was the underdog right and Yeshua came up and healed him, and uh, and then he got in and then he got in trouble because he was breaking. Because Yeshua told him to break the rules that somebody made up, right? And then later Yeshua was like confronted him and told him like, "Don't sin anymore, right? I don't want you to get some have something even worse happen." Is there anybody that you know? Maybe maybe one of your family members or a friend or someone you work with at Walmart or uh, whoever. Is there somebody you know that needs to hear this story, or that could really could really would, would, would appreciate hearing this story this week. Because you know what? It's, it's really cool that we get to hear this story. Because it's like we're getting to know Yeshua better. But everybody should hear this story. Everybody should hear about Yeshua, right? And maybe it would really encourage some people. So I want to ask you that. Just th- think about that for a second. Who are you going to tell this story to in this upcoming week? I want you to decide you're going to tell it to one person. Maybe somebody that you live with at home, maybe a friend. You decide. Okay, cool. And um, I'm going to finish this story time by uh, reading to you what happened after that. It's, uh, you know how Yeshua, his response to the religious leaders that were pretty upset that he broke one of their rules. Remember what his response was? He said, well, my father's working today and so am I. And uh so I'm going to read to you the rest of what he said because that's not actually not where he left off. He said some things right after that that really uh that really makes sense. I'm going to read this to you from the message paraphrase. It's kind of like if Yeshua was around today, the way he would have the way he he probably would have talked. So I'll I'll read that to you. That is okay. So it says He says, my father is working straight through, even on the Sabbath. So am I. That really set them off. The Jews were now not only out to expose him, they were out to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was calling God his own father, putting himself on a level with God. So Yeshua explained himself at length. I'm telling you this straight. The son can't independently do a thing. Only what he sees the Father doing. What the Father does, the Son does. The Father loves the Son and includes Him in everything He's doing. But you haven't seen the half of it yet. For in the same way that the Father raises the dead and creates life, so does the Son. The Son gives life to anyone He chooses. Neither He nor the Father shuts anyone out. The Father handed all authority to judge over to the Son, so that the Son will be honoured equally with the Father. Anyone who dishonors the Son dishonors the Father. For it was the Father's decision to put the Son in the place of honor. It's urgent that you listen carefully to this. Anyone here who believes what I'm saying right now and aligns himself with the Father, who has in fact put me in charge, has at this very moment the real lasting life and is no longer condemned to be an outsider. This person has taken a giant step from the world of the dead to the world of the living. It's urgent that you get this right. The time has arrived. I mean right now when dead men and women will hear the voice of the Son of God and hearing will come alive. Just as the Father has life in himself, he has conferred on the Son life in himself and he's given him the authority simply because he's the Son of Man to decide and carry out matters of judgment. Don't act so surprised at all this. The time is coming when everyone dead and buried will Hear His voice. Those who have lived the right way will walk out into a resurrection life. Those who have lived the wrong way, into a resurrection judgment. I can't do a solitary thing on my own. I listen, then I decide. You can trust my decision because I'm not out to get my own way, but only to carry out orders. If I were simply speaking on my own account, you would be an empty, self-serving witness. But an independent witness confirms me, the most reliable witness of all. Furthermore, you all saw and heard John, and he gave expert and reliable testimony about me, didn't he? But my purpose is not to get your vote, and not to appeal to mere human testimony, in speaking to you this way, so that you will be saved. John was a torch, blazing and bright, and you were glad enough to dance for an hour or so in his bright light. But the witness that really confirms me far exceeds John's witness. It's the work the Father gave me to complete, These very tasks, as I go about completing them, confirm that the Father, in fact, sent me. The Father who sent me confirmed me. And you missed it. You never heard His voice. You never saw His appearance. There's nothing left in your memory of His message because you don't take His messenger seriously. You have your heads in your Bibles constantly because you think you'll find eternal life there. But you missed the forest for the trees. These scriptures are all about me. And here I am standing right before you and you aren't willing to receive me receive from me the life you say you want. I'm not interested in crowd approval and you know why? Because I know you and your crowds. I know that love, especially God's love is not on your working agenda. I came with the authority of my Father and you either dismiss me or avoid me. If another came acting self-important you would welcome him with open arms. How do you expect to get anywhere with God? when you spend all your time jockeying for position with each other, ranking your rivals and ignoring God. But don't think I'm going to accuse you before my father. Moses, in whom you put so much stock, is your accuser. If you, if you believed, really believed what Moses said, you would believe me. He wrote about me. But if you don't take seriously what he wrote, how can I expect you to take seriously what I say? So after Yeshua healed that helpless underdog cripple, that was what he said to uh, in his conversation with uh, with those religious leaders that were pretty upset about him breaking the rules. Thank you for joining us in this message. I pray that it's been an inspiration to you and your discipleship to Yeshua the Messiah. Crown of Messiah is a relatively small congregation with a massive mission. We're not just making disciples and teaching the Word of God here in our city. We're also doing that internationally through vehicles such as the Internet. It is our joy to offer you these messages for free at absolutely no charge. At the same time we do have ongoing overhead expenses. It costs us something to produce these teachings and get them out to you. And we would appreciate it if you would in turn support our work in a practical way. Help us cover some of our basic expenses. You can do that by going to our website, crownofmessiah.com, and going to the donate page, where you can make a one time donation or you can set up a monthly automated donation. I'm reminded of the words of Yeshua's Apostle Paul in Galatians chapter 6. He said, Let the one who is taught the word share everything good with his teacher. So if you're being taught the word by us, we would appreciate it if you would take the words of Yeshua's Apostle seriously and make some type of return for the blessing that we are giving you for free that way we'll all be in it together and we will be a team accomplishing the mission that Yeshua has given us and you will go from only being a receiver to also being a giver if you're like most people finances are tight we understand that finances are tight for us too That's why we need people like you to come alongside us and to back us in the work that Yeshua has called us to do. Thank you so much for making that donation at CrownOfMessiah.com and thank
1: you for becoming a team member with us. We appreciate it.